listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and today Jenny has a presentation on burring in Colorado Springs. So she's going to run through uh, an example of a burr that she did, and which was a couple years ago, and now and also now how the market has shifted, what her new strategy is, and a new term that she's hoping to coin to use burr in the current Colorado Springs market. So Jenny, take it away. I guess we should start off actually. What is burr? I assume everyone knows it, but assumptions, as you know, that saying, uh, they make fools out of us. Yes. <laughs> so BRRRR is, it's an acronym, and it's a buy and hold rental strategy. And so it basically stands for buy, which is purchase property in need of repair under current market value, renovate. So fix up the property to an excellent rental condition, rent, rent out the property, get positive cash flow from it, refinance, cash out refinance at a higher appraised value to receive back most or all of your initial down payment and renovation costs. And then the final R is repeat. All right. So (laughs) buy it for under market, repair Mm -hmm. it, rent it, uh, hopefully add a bunch of value and then pull most of all your money back, right? Exactly. All right. So seems simple in concept, but it's uh, it's a lot harder in reality to and execute. Before you dive on these numbers here, I know yeah. I get this question, Jenna, I know you get this question, you know, both here in Denver and Springs and respective markets, is you know, as people learn about real estate investing, Burr is a very attractive uh, investing strategy because you can mm-hmm. really recycle your capital and go out there and acquire multiple properties. Um, so she's going to go through some very detailed numbers. If people are interested in burring or knowing how to modify the Burr strategy in the Springs market, and the strategy also kind of basically work in Denver as well, Jenny's new term she's using, um, really pay attention to the numbers. And if you have a hard time following them, check out the blog or the uh, the show notes. All these will be in the blog post, so that way you can actually see the numbers, the spreadsheet screenshots, and there's also an accompanying YouTube video as well. So you know we'll do our best to give you the concepts, but if you want to check out the numbers, check the show notes in the podcast. Podcast app, and I'll take you straight there with all the uh, the numbers that that go uh, in the same flow as we're talking about them here. So, Jenny, give us some numbers. Yeah, so I learn best by actually looking at things and, and seeing real life examples. So I felt that it was probably a good idea to give everyone an example of an actual burr that we did in Colorado Springs. Um, this was early 2017. So we bought a property for $113,500 and we used a hard money lender and still had to put 20% down. (laughs) So we put down $22,700. So we had a loan with a three-month term of $90,800 for this property. And then for the renovate part, we did a full house rehab of $25,000, which I just lumped in closing costs, holding costs and repairs into this figure. So we're all in for about 138500 
So that's including your down payment and all the rehab and carrying costs. Exactly. So we're in for $47,700 of our personal cash. And so then we got it rented out after we fixed it up. And it originally rented for $1,200 a month. It's currently rented at $1,300 a month. You mean in 2020, it's rented at $1,300? That's correct, okay. yes. Um, so it, the initial positive cash flow we'll say $300, but then you got to take out your contingency. So we'll say about 200 probably at, at that point. Um, and then we did a refinance on it in 2017 also. And the property appraised at $175,000 after we rehabbed it. So we were able to take out a new loan of $131,250, which is 75% of that $175,000 value. So in doing that, we paid off the hard money loan. We, you know, paid back ourselves basically. So we were able to receive $40,450 back during the cash out refinance. So we have about $7,000 left in the home after that point. So I like to compare that to putting down 20% if we were to buy a fully renovated home at the $175,000 mark. Um, so that would have been 35,000. So 35,000 versus 7,000. Uh, you know, we were able to preserve a lot more of our cash to be able to recycle it into the next property. So basically I like that. So that 7,250 is what you kept in there. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you know, another investor that would just bought it, you know, say 35000 so about a $27,000 difference. Now, mm -hmm. something I always like to highlight here is, is I always lump like burring more into a business category or self-employed category because it's it's a lot of time and there's there's a lot more risk involved versus just buying a place at 15, 20, 25% down. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember this, but <laughs> going back to like sourcing the property, where did you source that from? We bought it from a wholesaler. Okay. So, and how um, long do you think it took you just in, in man hours or woman <laughs> hours to go out there and source that property? Um, in terms of sourcing the property, it didn't take a whole lot of time. Mm, um, great. I touched upon this on a previous podcast. So it's, it's the same house, but basically we owned a turnkey property just down the road from it. And I got an email one morning as I was driving into work and I saw this particular property pop up and in a moment of haste, uh, <laughs> it's probably not a very smart idea, but I called them immediately and I said, I want it. Um, because I knew exactly how much the after repair value is going to be. I, you know, could just do some quick mental math to figure out, eh, I think it'll work. Um, so we, we hopped on it and, and kind of acquired it that way. But so you had a competitive advantage there because you knew that neighborhood really, really well, which is great. Exactly. And you put time in up front of networking and, and getting on distribution lists for properties as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that was our very first experience with a wholesaler, and also our first experience with hard money. So it was kind of um, drinking from a fire hose. Yeah, that's the other thing I want to jab you at here. Would you ever put 20% <laughs> down again on the hard money loan? 
Yeah, it was our, we had no track record. Okay. So, yeah, we had to kind of cut our teeth on this one. Um, we had better terms for subsequent properties, but okay. um, yeah, so we had to prove ourselves. And then how long, <laughs> like just to get it like in man hours for renovating it, were mm-hmm. you guys doing the work yourselves, some of it, or were you just outsourcing it and, you know, managing a GC or subs? Oh, my goodness. So we... Um, I'm not handy. Neither is my husband. Um, we are very not handy people. So we were doing a lot of the work that didn't really require skill, uh, in terms of just emptying the house from junk, uh, ripping out disgusting, you know, pet stained carpets and everything. And, um, we had a GC do the actual renovation, but we were down there a lot, uh, just doing a lot of the manual labor so you were cheap uh, labor yeah because we are not skilled yeah and how i mean how many hours did it take you to do the cheap labor the managing just the whole thing do you think the whole process oh my goodness i mean it, it was a lot because we we had such a short turnaround time to get out of the hard money loan we were down there every weekend all weekend um sometimes after work we would drive down and, and do things so it was it was a lot of it was basically all of our free time for probably over a month. Yeah, and, and this is something I just want to highlight on there as people look at this stuff. We're not saying you can't do burrs, but take into account the, you know, your opportunity cost for your time as well, because while you save $27,000 compared to it, you need to factor in what your time is worth as well. It's mm-hmm. like, I go back to my reference in day trading. I made money day trading on paper in the stock market, but actually factor my hours, I was working probably for like less than 30 cents an hour. So right. not like a great return on my time. So just one thing to keep in mind, because I feel like a lot of people don't um, account for their time, their man hours, and their mental energy going into properties. So make sure you account for it to see if it truly is the best use of your overall resources of capital and time and everything. Exactly. I, I completely agree. And while I'm happy that we did this, uh, I think, you know, more from an experience standpoint, I'm glad that we were able to do that. I would not do this again. Um, it was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) so, um, then going into the final R, which is repeat from the cash out refinance, but um, I did want to mention that today this home is worth about $230,000, um, which will kind of come into play later on in this presentation. So just kind of important to notate that. So going into traditional Burr, I think that it's important to highlight the benefits and the risks associated with it. So the first one, risk mitigation. Uh, the value of the home increases or it should increase at a greater rate than the improvement cost. So it should not be a dollar for dollar. You should be getting a better return on each dollar that you put in for your rehab, Um, which I think there's a lot of misconception. I think people are thinking um, of Burr as being risky in that sense, but I would disagree. I think that if you're creating equity, that actually shields you against a market crash. So I think that that is a benefit of Burr. Um, and the second one is improved property. So if we're managing the general contractor, we are able to see that they are doing a quality job for the property. And that my assumption would be that we'd be able to have a lower risk of unbudgeted short-term repairs, you know, 
fixing poor workmanship because we have more control over the rehab that's being involved. And then, of course, after you cash out refinance, you're going to have more liquid funds. So having less cash stuck in the property, you can keep that for reserves or funding for additional investment. So I think that's a benefit also. Then the not fun part is the risks associated with with Burr. Um, I think that you could result in less cash out than originally planned. So you could end up getting a lower appraisal uh, back. You could end up having increased time time involved, increased costs for the renovation. Things could pop up. There's a lot of unknowns that could happen that are all going to impact your ability to pull out cash at the end. Um, and then again, there's a time to recoup funds. So lender-specific loan seasoning timeframes, that's going to take time. Most require six months for a cash-out refinance, so it's always important to speak with your lender and see what their requirements are for that. And then again, you could have a, a weak appraisal. So uh, that could take time to either dispute or you know just kind of have to deal with it and, and get less cash out. And then, of course, the rehab can go over budget. So you need to expect the unexpected, plan for the worst, hope for the best. And all three of those things could happen at once, and you have a lot more cash left in the property. Exactly. So I wanted to discuss the current state of Burr in Colorado Springs. So as I mentioned, um, from about 2016 to 2018, we burred a total of eight properties in Colorado Springs. So... We initially were able to do true burrs, pulling out 100% of initial cash, almost 100% of the initial cash. And then towards the end of 2018, when we stopped doing burrs, we were doing what I call partial burrs. So we weren't able to pull out all of our initial cash. And we knew this going into it, but um, you know, we still wanted to proceed. And that was due to lower margins between the purchase price and the after repair value because uh, there's higher demand um, for Colorado Springs. And so that was pushing up prices. And when you say like, like, give us a rough approximate. So towards the end of 2018, as the market got tighter, what percent of cash were you pulling out? Were you leaving in there? Um, I think our very last one that we did, we were able to pull out 50% of what we what we okay. put in so i mean i still think that's good but oh, yeah. yeah it's not you know a textbook burr <laughs> so and and we could kind of see it like with each next property that we did we would get less and less and less back so and is that just because like on on the on the acquisition or buy side just mm -hmm. you know prices are getting bid up so it's getting tougher to get them at a at a lower yep. lower value to make the takeout the same exactly yeah. yep we were just competing more and yeah, it, it, it was getting harder to buy right, I think. Um, it, which is kind of ironic because I think we honed in on the repair part at that point. So it's like, oh man, we fixed up our repair process, but now we're not able to, to buy right. So it's kind of like <laughs> pick your poison on that, that end. Um, but currently I think that Colorado Springs market is in a severe seller's market due to increased demand, decreased supply. So it's ultimately leading to increased prices and lower margins between your after repair value and your purchase price, which all comes together to not make it 
very conducive to a burnt environment for a, you know, part-time investor. And I agree. And, I, and I'll, I'll say the same thing in a different way. Um, when you're in a seller's market, burr is very hard to do. When you're more in a balanced or buyer's market, burr is easier to do. And mm-hmm. we all know, uh, especially now during COVID, like we are in a severe, insane, uh, never this low before inventory type of seller's market or just market in general. So it's just, it's just, it's tough out there right now. And this is where Jenny's new strategy comes into play about how do you adapt to the current market? Because you just said, Jenny, like you honed in your repair process, which is great. You have control over that. You have zero control over the market. And so this mm-hmm. is where you have to adapt your strategy to what's going on in the market. Yeah. So I've coined this new term called the slow burn. And that's what I think is probably going to be, you know, at least for the next year or so, um, probably the best approach for Colorado Springs and Denver. The slow burn, huh? Yeah. (laughs) So with this strategy, you will do the BRR. So buy, renovate, rent immediately. And then you sit and wait for the last two hours, which is refinance and repeat. So um, over the past couple months, we've cashed out refinanced three of our existing rental properties, all three of which were originally burrs. And interestingly enough, we were able to pull out more this time around than during the original burr. And the way that we did this was we just slowly managed and effectively managed our rentals, monitored the market, figured out what the the value of the properties were, and decided that it was a good time to pull equity out. So it was very not exciting. So what you said there is, and if you if you go on this next slide, you can tell me to shut up. But <laughs> you know, going back to that first example, you, you bought the place for 113, ARV was 170, or the, uh, the appraisal is 175, or you could have bought market rent at 175. Mm-hmm. So no matter, you know, if you bird that property, and I bought the the renovated rent ready place next door for uh, 175, mm-hmm. now they're both worth 230, and yep. we're pulling out the same amount of money. And you're saying you actually can. A lot of times, we're pulling out more money now just by being patient on the market do its thing versus doing the forced appreciation, right? Exactly. You're yeah. exactly right. So that's a good lead into to the actual numbers associated with uh, with your example. Yeah. So so as you mentioned, we had $131,250 loan outstanding on that property and it was appraised at 230. So using 75% LTV requirements for the cash out refinance, we could take out another loan of 172,500 utilizing a cash out refinance. So this would actually bring home forty-one thousand two fifty, not including loan and title costs. And if you remember, we pulled out forty thousand dollars the first time. So, literally, just sitting on this property, renting it out, collecting cash flow, keeping it in tip-top condition, we were able to just wait three years, and we would have the ability to pull out another forty thousand dollars. So I want to ask you one more question on your on your slow burn. You know, you're talking about mm-hmm. doing the buy rehab rent. 
And at first, are what type of rehab are you seeing? Rehab opportunities you seeing in the springs right now? Because in Denver, you know, we have very similar extreme sellers markets between two markets. We don't see a ton of like value add for rehab stuff. A lot of times, it's just like, hey, get it, you know rent-ready enough or we're buying, you know, kind of rent-ready properties. But a lot of times the rehabs are like five to 10 grand, and that might be an egress window or two for safety and liability reasons. And then just doing a few things, but not a ton of rehab, and then actually increases the value or increases a lot of the rental income, other than just getting mm-hmm. kind of good enough to that sweet spot. What type of, of uh, the rehab opportunities are you seeing down in the springs for that slow burn? I would agree. The majority are... Um, exactly what you described okay. up in Denver. Every once in a while, I'll see something pop up that, um, you know, is like an estate sale or something that is priced lower because it needs updating. But those are few and far between, and um, they actually get bit up really, really high. So I've, I've been kind of keeping a pulse on the ones that I've identified as potential burr properties. And then by the time they're purchased, um, they're, <laughs> they're not good for burrs, in my opinion, at the purchase price that they were acquired. Yeah, that's the same thing we're seeing. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. So, you know, in terms of effort, you're probably better off just buying something that just needs some quick touch-ups. So I think this kind of goes into the, the phrase, don't wait to buy real estate buy real estate and wait. Ooh, really... I haven't heard that. I like that. Is that a common <laughs> oh, phrase? Yeah, you haven't heard that? Not that I can recall, no. Oh, yeah. I've really uh, I've really started to like this phrase because I've you know, kind of lived through it over the last couple of years, and I'm like, oh, okay, I understand where this is coming from now. I, I get it. Um, so I think, I think that is kind of the phrase of, of this strategy. Um, so... What am I going to do with the cash out refinance proceeds that I mentioned before? I'm simply going to invest 25% down on a couple of rent-ready properties, then just sit and wait. So very not exciting um, in that regard. I could do the burst strategy on subsequent properties to propel our equity further um, and our cash further. But I'm busy. I'm tired. <laughs> this method is still effective, so I'm going to run with it. Um, so by waiting about five years with an assumed 5% growth rate each year, which is what our firm likes to use as an assumption, um, if I buy a property this year for 250,000, which I plan to, um, in five years, assuming that 5% growth, that property will be worth about 320,000 and I can cash out refinance and collect about 52,000. Uh, and cash out proceeds, of course, excluding loan and title costs, and then just reinvest those proceeds later. So what type of property are you buying this year? I'm buying, it's completely different than the rest of our rental property holdings. Um, We are buying a new build townhome. So that's the exact opposite, but goes right with your strategy. (laughs) Just buy and wait and be patient. Yep, exactly. The rest of our properties, you know, they were older single family homes, needed some TLC. And um, this property came across and it worked out numerically. So we hopped on it. And it's probably going to be a lot easier to to deal with. It sounds like you just turn the key and 
get some renters in and call it a day. So I'm kind of excited for that. Um, so I think some of the risks related to the slow burn strategy, um, don't bank on appreciation. So I realized that any type of appreciation is not guaranteed and we're not advocating to bet on it. But I do think that in a market such as Colorado Springs, it's safe to reasonably expect some type of moderate growth each year. So um, if appreciation is slower than you expected, your cash outlays will be stuck in the property. So you absolutely need to be prepared for this. And can I add a few things on your journey? Absolutely. And I mean, this is stuff that like, you know, we say, you know, don't expect it, but, you know, really understand the data and the statistics behind it, because the fundamentals and the data right now is very different than, I know, what, 12 or 14 years ago, which led up to the last, you know, real estate, the real real estate crisis we had. Um, very different, you know, supply and demand numbers. We've talked about that on the Denver podcast. Jenny uh, will be talking about it in the Colorado Colorado Springs podcast. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind is that the properties that Jenny is buying and finding in the Springs are still good rentals. They cash flow. It's not like it's a native cash flow property where you're just banking on appreciation five years to make your money. They still work today as a rental. Um, and then, but one year, exit strategies or one of your investment strategies is to take out a piece of cash or a piece of equity in it in five or seven years down the road. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I completely agree with that. And that's a really good nuance to clarify that, you know, it, it's a standalone good rental property as it is. Um, and then I think that another thing that you need to be careful of is do not over leverage. So even though I mentioned that we did multiple cash out refinances, we still maintain the 65% loan to value ratio averaged across our portfolio for safety and risk management. In addition to ensuring that our properties are cash flowing and having adequate cash reserves. And then finally, don't forget to risk manage, which we will have a whole podcast on uh, later for this exact topic. So I always advocate for maintaining adequate cash reserves for the unexpected, making sure that the property is cash flowing even after refinancing. So um, I think in order to compare a traditional burr versus the slow burn, there's no question that doing a traditional burr is going to be a better use of cash over buying something and putting 20 or 25% down on that identical property. But like we previously discussed, the Colorado Springs market is very tight. So it's making opportunities for this more and more difficult to find if you're a part-time investor and I kind of take the approach, I think that you should capture the highest probability for success. So if the market is offering, you know, basically rent-ready properties that will cash flow and it's not a burr, go ahead and take advantage of that. I think that's kind of um, something as an investor you need to to consider. Um, And I know a lot of, you know, websites and everything, they often say that, 20% 20% down on a property is not good investing. Burr is the best uh, real estate strategy out there. I absolutely love Burr. I have to attribute our accumulation of rental properties to this Burr strategy. But not to be a negative Nancy, it's just 
really not realistic to consistently execute the strategy in Colorado Springs right now as we speak. And um, I would rather buy a pretty good property or a pretty good deal in your reference to like a that bell curve opportunity example um, now versus, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, they're basically still sitting on the sidelines waiting for the, the, the perfect property to come along. I'll mm-hmm. take three years of cash flow and rent appreciate or appreciation and debt pay down and all that stuff on a pretty good property versus three years of nothing trying to find a great property. I completely agree. Yep. Um, I think that in a market with strong returns and appreciation, like you said, you're going to make up for that down payment in the form of equity growth just sitting on that property for three years. Exactly what you said. Um, so just to kind of give an example, um, of the townhome that we are purchasing, utilizing cash out refinance proceeds. Um, I went ahead and I put that slow burn cash proceeds from the refinance. And in just one year, our total return on investment is supposed to be about 31.4%. And remember, this is from a cash out refinance. It's not something I actively saved for. I simply just executed a cash out refinance on an existing rental property, um, which equated to over $21,000. So if I waited around until I found something to, to do a traditional burr on, I would have missed out on $21,000. And what's your total, your total like cash all in for this place, you know, down payment, closing costs, all that stuff. Um, I think it was a little over 60 K I think. Okay. Yeah. And you're putting down 20% on there? We're going to put 25%. Okay. Yeah, just to kind of keep things a little safer. And that's that 60 whatever number, that's including a 25% down payment, right? Yep, a little okay. over 60. So 62500 for the down payment um, plus closing costs. So. Okay. Yep. So looks like that's it for the presentation. Um, yeah. Looks like the I just saw, realized the PowerPoint's in there, Jenny. So <laughs> I mean, this this was really good, and this is something that you know, as we as we've talked about, and the theme to understand is that like. You know, as you go out there and you and you learn the markets, we often get people coming from you know bigger pockets and other national websites or books. You know, take you know take those strategies and fundamentals, but take them with a grain of salt because what happens to two things: you apply them to your local market, and the Springs market is different than other markets, and then also what's going on in the current market time as well. Uh, and so this is where we're trying to say, hey, great, here's what we're seeing is like the currently the best or the phrase I like is good enough. You know, hey, what's that good enough? What's that sweet spot where, hey, what's the optimal use of my capital, my time, my risk, what's going on in the marketplace? And that's what I think is really this the slow burn. Um, and depending on what happens in the springs, kind of a very similar strategy I call it is doing a delayed flip. Because in five years, if 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 Jenny's properties appreciate a tremendous amount, the best move may be to sell and 1031 to something else or go in there and fix it up and sell and 1031 to something else. So the whole point here is like you want to get into the market because that quote Jenny said is like, hey, buying real estate now and waiting is the best move because once you're in the market, you have cash flow coming in and then, you, you know, five years down there, you might have options. It might be, hey, this is a great rental. I'm going to sit on it and keep just taking cash flow. Or it might be, I'm going to sit there and refinance it 
take the money out and go use it as a down payment on their property, or it might be sell and trade in 1031 into something else. But the only way you get to those options is by buying a property. So if you guys have questions on the Springs market, want to run numbers, uh, get on Jenny's deal analysis list, uh, reach out to Jenny, or go to the website in the show notes. And if you click on currently, like the Colorado Springs navigation bar, you can contact Jenny. You can also join the email list as well. So Jenny, those are kind of my final thoughts and call to actions. Any thoughts you want to throw in there? No, I, I think that, you know, you pretty much summarized everything. But, you know, if you have any questions on on this, feel free to, to reach out. Awesome. Well, Jenny, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.